recorded. This is the Red Ticket Blues Podcast. I'm Brian Buckley. What's good? Uh, it's January 31st. It hit the internet February 1st. Groundhog Day in just a few days. Let's all talk about it. You know, groundhog, all that. So how's everybody doing? How are you? Why am I talking to you like a child or some sort of small pet? So uh, here we are. I'm running around the house uh, switching light bulbs. Uh, I'll tell you this. You know, uh, I went to Walmart today to buy a bunch of shit, and uh, I forgot to get a light bulb. A light bulb went out in the bathroom. So, uh, obviously, the bathroom is probably an important, it's not probably, it is, an important room to have a light. Uh, so, I didn't pick up any light bulbs. So, what I'm doing now, to even to do this podcast, the room I'm in, I'm switching. We're, we're, I'm just shifting, you know, light bulbs around. Like, how cheap? Not even cheap, because, I mean, a light bulb's a light bulb, but... Let me let me just be a word of caution to everyone. Some 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 friendly advice. Next time you need to buy a light bulb, buy two, because uh, extra light bulbs are good. Instead, so you don't have to walk around with them, shuffling them, like some sort of I don't know vagabond. Anyways, here we are. It is uh, beginning of February, the Super Bowl in just a few days. I got some I got some new for you, and I got some old for you. I got some old things I never got to in the past few weeks, just because I'm lazy. Uh... Is this Snoop Dogg song something like that? I got something new and something old for y'all. Is that, I, I, uh, I know I know it is. I can't remember the whole thing. The fabulous dramatics, right? Yeah, there we go. Um, so I, I guess we'll start with the new because I mean that that's what you lead with, and that's the Super Bowl. And honestly, it's kind of I don't know. Maybe I just haven't been watching enough. It seems a little boring. I mean, you got the week off, you got the media week. You know, there's no Gronkowski saying silly shit. Uh, you know, you have Barstool jumping in because, you know, they're 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 very trendy and uh, they're trying to make waves within the traditional stuffy media. You got the guy with the Tom Brady mask. Oh, he's a hoot. Uh, probably someone's wearing a wedding dress. I think I saw some guy in a garbage can uh, with Brock Osweiler's number on it. I guess that, that's, I guess that's funny. Univision sends their, like, most ridiculously hot reporter while all the fat, overweight, loser uh, sports writers ogle over her. It's almost like uh, every fucking year at the Super Bowl. That's right. Uh, so that's what we're... It's kind of void of storylines. You know, I, I if you've listened to the show for a while, you know how many times I've gone off on Marshawn Lynch and him being just a petulant child. You know, in retrospect, though, looking back, it kind of made it interesting. Just him being a jerk. And him being like, yeah, I'm being a jerk. Well, he didn't say that, but you, you know what I mean. It actually made for an interesting storyline, something to talk about other than... I, I don't know. I don't even know what we're talking about. We're talking about Tom Brady, obviously. We're talking about Tom Brady and uh, his father actually making... Well, here's the thing. We're going to talk about Tom Brady regardless because uh, he's in the Super Bowl. and He's one of the greatest, if not the greatest player in NFL history. And it's the first return to the Super Bowl after uh, the deflategate nonsense where this year the Patriots lost two games, one of those being while well, he t- served his four-game suspension for his role in uh, the uh, deflating of footballs in the New England Patriots years ago. So his father uh, took the airwaves earlier this week and said that Roger Goodell doesn't belong on the same stage as him, uh, you know, uh, as Tom Brady, as if we don't, you know, he doesn't know his own son's, son's name. He doesn't belong, I don't have the audio of that, but anyways. Uh, and it was, you know, it was funny. Tom said, I've now banned my father from, from the media. So, but here's, here's something that I, I think we all have to cherish. This is about a year and a half ago. Our old friend, Chris Mad Dog Russo, going off on Tom Brady Sr. 
in regards to this Deflategate. So let's go back in the Wayback Machine. This is like a minute or two, but you know what? It's Mad Dog, so I'm sure you all love it and how ridiculous it is. So let's uh, let's just uh, play this for everyone and uh, enjoy it. Would you like to hear from Tom Brady Sr.? Not particularly. The old man's got something to say. Yes, the old he man. Told you say today he's got all sorts of quotes. I have no doubt about my son's integrity in this country. You're innocent until proven guilty. It just seems, but it just seemed all along that Tommy has been guilty until proven innocent. This thing is so convoluted. They say possibly this and possibly this. He was aware of this. Put him on the air. Put him on the air, Bill. Put a call into him. Let me hear that old man. Put him on the air. We'll, we'll, we'll put him <laughs> on the spot. Uh, put him on the air. And, and he finishes. He's got a couple other things that he finishes with. Yeah, this has go. been Framegate right oh, from the beginning. Shut the hell up. Shut up. Keep your mouth shut. Your son got nailed. Keep your freaking mouth shut. I'll Framegate my ass. Keep your... Shut up. Stay low. Shut the hell up. Framegate. You mean... Are you kidding me? Oh, come on. The guy cheated, folks. Let's be honest. I got to listen to Tom Brady's old man now, who, you know, has lived in the bubble, you know, and has lived under the scenario where his kid's been a phenomenal player all this time. And now he's trying to make excuse. Now he's trying to disparage the guy who spent 246 pages writing about it. Shut up. Put that guy on. See if he's got the guts to talk to somebody's going to ask him a tough question. Go ahead. Better yet, put his son on. Let's see what he has to say. <laughs> put your son on. Don't hide USA Today. Uh, come on. Come on, talk shows. Hey, come on now. Come on right now. Say that to me. Say that to anybody. Say it to somebody. <laughs> put that old man on. What a lunatic. He's, he's also the same person that was so insane about the whole thing. And I fully admit it. He didn't re- read the Wells report whatsoever. I mean, Chris, why would you do that? Uh, so so that has been a storyline. Um, and obviously, like we talked about last week, we talked about that, Jim, uh, the, the, the Trump angle with with Tom Brady. And uh, I guess from everything I've heard, he sort of avoided the question, which is the right thing. I mean, this is you, you know that that's prime fodder for for, for the, the villainous media to just be like, hey, hey, what do you think about Trump's this Trump that? And, uh, you know, Brady's usually good at that shit. He can get out of it. So uh, in regards to the game itself, I'm not going to I promise you X's and, X's and O's. Well, I lied. Uh, what do you got? You got a, You got a potent offense in both teams, but more so in Atlanta. And you got a really good defense and the Patriots, no, not that the defense is horrendous for Atlanta. Uh, you're going to see a high-scoring game most likely, and the only way Atlanta is going to win is with big, big points. So you're going to see a shootout if Atlanta wins. You could see a much lower-scoring game if New England were to win. Uh, what's my prediction? Hmm, I didn't even thought about this. Let's see. What will my prediction be? What will my pred- I'm going to say Patriots just because I feel like uh, it's just inevitable that they'll win. And Atlanta's they're for as good as Atlanta is, they're a shitty sports town, um, and uh, they really never do anything. Even that that dynasty, Atlanta Braves, only won one World Series, and I still didn't believe it when it happened. It was it was hard to imagine. You know, there's been like four Sports Illustrated covers, at least at that point, with no words on them, just like you, know, you had to like capture the moment, and just revel in it. That was one of them when they won the World Series in 1995. No words, just Greg Maddox like on the bottom of a pile, like Ken Griffey Jr. in 1995. Not that I remember against the Mariners and the Yankees in that Game Five of the fucking Kingdom. Anyways, they didn't deserve that. Us. Look at me. What am I? A hundred years old, getting worried about a, uh, getting a ball bent out of shade about a Sports Illustrated from 20 years ago. 
Apparently. Um, let's see. I'm going to say New England, 28. Atlanta, 23. I think it's going to be a close game. 28-23, New England Patriots. So uh, what else happened? Uh, I, saw, I saw Brady got a little emotional, I guess, about his family. Well, he got emotional about his dad. I guess his mom's very sick. She hasn't been to a game all year, which I didn't know. Um, hey, you know, a hey, lot, lot of emotions, a lot of things going on, and it's Brady. It's, 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 again, one of the most hated guys in the NFL, which I don't understand, but it is what it is. And uh, soon the NFL season will be over. So we move on to... Uh, Baseball, right? Baseball. And baseball is one of the topics that I forgot to mention a few weeks ago uh, when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Come on, come on. Let's talk. Let's debate. Hall of Fame. Who you got? Uh, <laughs> it is. Listen, it's it's the most trivial, stupid thing in the world, but it, it, it's fun, though, debating who belongs in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it just doesn't have that same allure to the other, the other sports. It just doesn't matter as much. There's not as the numbers don't mean as much. I mean, we could we could beat this drum to a blue in the face. Numbers used to mean something in baseball, then steroids obliterated them. But I mean, you know, uh, how many home runs did Babe Ruth have? 714. How many did Hank Aaron have? 755. I mean, you remember these things. They're golden numbers. And uh, this was the first year where it kind of got, I don't want to say dicey, but we're getting into the deeper water when it comes to the moral dilemma, the conundrum of steroids. You got, who do you have? <laughs> you have Jeff Bagwell, who for years had been left, you know, just fell just below. Uh, he was a guy that was never tested positive for anything. Lots of rumors. He went from a skinny little Red Sox farmhand to a ginormous beast of a man for the Houston Astros. Uh, he got in. You then have Yvonne Rodriguez. Yvonne Rodriguez, who... Uh, is a guy that, well, he never tested positive either, but there was some rapid body changes. And Jose Canseco, who we all look at as a just uh, piece of human excrement, he's been right about every single steroid allegation. He broke the the, the story on steroids in, in, in modern sports, in modern American sports. And he's been right about everything. And he said he personally injected Pudge Rodriguez. So you got that. And then there's Tim Raines, who I don't think we really ever heard any steroid allegations. He was sort of a creation from the internet. I mean, the guy had great numbers, and he was a borderline Hall of Famer all the time. But Jonah Carey and the rest of the uh, internet, uh, well, lack of a better term, nerds, uh, all got together and beat the drum. I had a, a daily powwow, a yearly annual powwow. I didn't really have a powwow, but just basically just, you know, browbeating everyone that Tim Raines belonged in the Hall of Fame. And again, no steroid accusations, but obviously there's a long history, which is self-admitted, of uh, drugs, lots of cocaine, um, crack. I, I don't know if it was crack. Yeah, yeah, there, there was crack involved, too. So, but all forms of cocaine. Um, I guess t if you really want to make the argument, you can sort of, uh, you know, you can... You can argue, I guess, that's performance-enhancing, so to, so to speak. I mean, if you're going to get mad about greenies... You can't just, you know, say, eh, not a big deal about cocaine. I mean, come on. Let, let, let's be fair, Mikey. Let's be fair. Get that old man out. <laughs> hey, old man's got something to say yes. to me. <laughs> oh, man, I love that. You know what? I forget if I mentioned this last week. Uh, his old partner, or our old friend, Mike Francesa, mentioned that he, uh, totally deviating from the story here uh, about the Hall of Fame, that he mentioned that he uh, married Tyler Moore who was obviously a, a, a pioneer in women's uh, 
uh, Hollywood, a leading role, lots of Emmys at her own show, passed away. And, I mean, I think it took about 30 seconds uh, after it was announced for Francesa to go into this long thing about how, obviously, uh, Mary Tyler Moore was an enormous Mike and the Mad Dog fan, which makes complete sense. Uh, I mean, I know she's from New York, but I'm sure she sat there diligently with her with her radio up to her ear every day listening to Mike bloviate about uh, horse racing or, you know, knowing, uh, you know, going to practices with Bill Parcells. But uh, I... I Mad Dog was on today. I, I heard him on Boston radio, and they forgot to ask him. Man, because I, I, usually you don't listen to any of those stories. Well, I'll play that a little later, but let me before I forget the Hall of Fame bullshit. Um, so I, I think uh, getting into the muddy waters now, no pun intended, uh, and you see the steroid guys, the Bonds, the, 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 the Clemens, the guys' numbers are starting to increase because you need that, what do you need, 85%? 85% or 75%, one or the other, to get in, and they're creeping. Jorge Posada's gone, which, listen, you know, Jorge's not a Hall of Famer. The first thing I do when I think of the Hall of Famer, are they a Hall of Famer? There you go. He's not a Hall of Famer. Um, But I'll tell you, and this is kind of an unpopular opinion because the guy's an asshole, and that's Kurt Schilling. Uh, gets screwed. If you think he's not a Hall of Famer based on his numbers, and what probably puts him over the top in my mind, I'm not going to break down every goddamn number here, is probably the Hall of, excuse me, the playoff performances from him. Yes, he gave up that pitch that virtually ended the goddamn 2001 World Series where Alfonso Soriano hit it off the freaking ground into the left field stands, and you think, Mariano coming in, it's over. But we all know what happened, and uh, the last night of the Yankee Dynasty, per se, uh, via Buster only. Um, but his political statements have, uh, he's hes very staunch Republican, uh, he, he's lost the, 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 he's lost the clubhouse, as they say. A lot of writers aren't voting for him and everything, and listen, listen, he had his job with ESPN and got booted from there. Whether you're, when it comes to ESPN, whether you're a Schilling fan or you despise him, he was fired in the right way. And why is that? Regardless of what he said or what he didn't say, he was told not to fucking say it. Not to say it. And you know what? He continued to do it. He was insubordinate. He deserved to be fired. Whether you agree with every goddamn word he said or he didn't. This is not the Kurt Schilling show. It's ESPN. Do what your employer says, whether how stupid it is or not stupid it is. You listen to him. But I think he got screwed. I think Kurt Schilling belongs in the Hall of Fame, and I thought he belonged in the Hall of Fame, you know, but before his political statements, I don't agree with most of his political statements. I think they're out of his, out of, I think they're crazy. I think, you know what it is? I think he takes a, 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 a look at a certain part of society, and then he really, he's graphic about it. He's rough about it. And you know what? It, 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 I don't know. He's just obnoxious. We'll put it that way. <laughs> I find him to be obnoxious. Instead of having a conversation, he's obnoxious. Um, so there you see that, and you see Mucina, uh, Mike Mucina. Obviously, I'm biased uh, as a Yankee fan. He's a guy who won 20 games at the end of his career. Well, baseball's obsessed with whole numbers, too. 20 games at the end of his career, and I think he had two or three other seasons where he had 19 games. I guarantee you, if he had won one more game in those seasons, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. But because everyone's so obsessed with those whole numbers, oh, 19, eh, eh, is that a Hall of Fame year? I don't know, he only had 19 wins, which the idea that we're going by wins is so ridiculous uh, in the first place. So uh, that, that that's my Hall of Fame. I'm just saying it'll be interesting going forward um, to see what we have, what we have going forward. 
when it comes to the Hall of Fame because the water's starting to get murky. And this is, you know, in, in a certain way, that you know these sports writers love it because now it's like, now you care about who I vote for. Now, we all cared before. Now it's like, yeah, check out my philosophy. I, I, I'm going to give you my philosophy now. Uh, and all of a sudden, you know, they're, 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 they're on the, the big stage. In the next five years, five to ten years, it is going to be, uh, going to be a big deal. So, uh, that's one of the old stories. Let's move on to another one, and that is the NBA. Um, I guess the main story. I haven't watched a ton of NBA this year. Uh, but uh, I guess the main thing is... Actually, you know what? No, no, no. Forget the NBA. Let's, let's, let's stay with this story here. The, the Duke Blue Devils in college basketball. Another thing, I have really been bad about basketball this year, uh, especially college. And I just started by saying NBA. I've been good about college, man. College used to be my bread and butter, like right after baseball, college basketball. And I, I am not good. I don't know what it is. I just, it probably has to do with my favorite team, the UConn Huskies, just a dreadful basketball team. But I have really been paying attention. But this one story the other day, and Duke has been getting a lot of stories off the court, which is very un-Duke-like, very un-Duke-like. Now, Duke actually, they actually won yesterday. They played Notre Dame. Duke number 21 in the country, Notre Dame 20, and Notre Dame 84-74. But that's not really the story. Uh, Duke is having a rough, I don't want to say rough year, but not very Duke-like. They're 17-5, five, five and 5-4 in the ACC. Uh, and Coach Mike Krzyzewski, the holy one, um, is recuperating from back surgery. So Jeff Capel's taking over. But there's been a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, they're not buying into the, you know, all the cliche bullshit college basketball. They're not buying into the system. Which, I, it's even worse when it's pro sports when you hear that. Is so-and-so going to buy into It's their fucking job. You're getting paid millions of dollars. Is he? Will Carmelo buy into the system? <laughs> does he have a choice? Uh, I guess maybe he does. Um, but anyways, so I, a lot of like I said, in the Grayson Allen tripping bullshit, guys are not playing up to the capabilities that they will. That you know the team, the program had thought when they were drafted, uh, recruited, and signed. So what happened was Shashevsky, in his wisdom on his throne, uh, summoned the team. Summoned the team. They said, everyone get out of your dorms. Come to my home, which is probably like the size of some sort of small nation. Uh, And, you know, I guess everyone's, I'm assuming they bowed uh, at his throne. I'm imagining he's sitting there with some sort of scepter and uh, crown. And he tells everyone, you are no longer allowed to use the Duke locker room. And you are no longer allowed to wear Duke, uh, you know, clothes around campus. Duke uh, paraphernalia, whatever. Uh, I mean, it's your normal bullshit, uh, rah, rah, we're really, you know, like burying the football. Uh, yeah, this is the season, we're putting it behind us. But, I mean, the arrogance of this guy to ha- to come, o- to ha- summon these these kids over. Forget your schoolwork, come over here, I have something to say to you. And I imagine it's almost in a reverse situation where, you know how Rudy, they all put the jerseys down because they wanted Rudy to play. He made all of them put their, put their, 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 their warm-up jackets and everything down in front of him as he, he nodded every time. Yes, Emil Jefferson, you put that down. Grayson Allen, yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. I also imagine probably like Dick Vitale's probably sitting like right behind him, either cheerleading or just, uh, some sort of, uh, eh, Constant, constant uh, support. Yeah, that's a good call, Mikey. Yup, yup, yup. Gotta love him. And just over and over and over again. I mean, what? I don't know what he thinks. Sometimes you just don't have a good team. But to embarrass the team like this, I just... What the uh, hell? Amazingly, we were at a, oh. a charity event one night. 
Mary Thelma walks over to our table and she says that she was a really big Mike and Amanda fan. I was stunned. She said her husband, really? who in late stunned? years, she, met, she had a TV husband, a guy who was in the TV business. Then she was with a doctor later on. And they used to TV travel to their house every weekend. And I think it was in Connecticut or it might have been in, in New England or I think it was Same place, but sure. that's fine. But she said that uh, they used to listen to the show all the time and her husband loved the show. So she became a big listener of the show. So here's Mary Tyler Moore telling me this. So we were stunned. Like, there's Mary Tyler Moore. You know, you know, you don't even expect to hear that ever from someone like that. She was that big a star. And she was. She came over and talked to me that night. It was really, I was stunned. It was one of the few times you get really like, wow, that's like a big deal. So, you know, she came over and said hello. And then, you know, I was just, you know, amazed that she even knew who we were, to be honest with you. But she was an enormous star. And... Oh, th- thanks, Mike. We, 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 we didn't we didn't know she was an enormous star. The idea, like, let's let's just go on the strength that that actually happened. Uh, it probably, which again, that's up for enormous debate. Uh, the idea is probably she heard Mike in the car one time when her husband was driving, screaming at someone. She thought, "Oh, this is funny! <laughs> wow, they, that man's a lunatic. He's going crazy over sports." And uh, what happened? We saw him at some sort of charity event. And said. Hey, honey, remember that Remember that idiot that was making you laugh? Oh, yeah, there he is. Oh, okay, let me go talk to him. And you notice he said he's such a big Mike and the Mad Dog fan, came over to us and talked to him, not not anyone else. Mad Dog, I mean, he was a just he, afterthought. Only talked to Mike. I mean, that was the only part that was really important. I think a star, and she, was, she came over and talked to me that night. It was Obviously, just just Mike. That's the only person that needs to be talked to. I mean, come on, Mad Dog, you're, you're, you're secondary. I don't know where that came from. Anyways, um... So I'll have to see how if, they, if Coach K's uh, motivational uh, bullshit uh, really, really works going forward. Because, you know, he's, he's the master. He's the master. He is such – there's something about him, you know. He, he really has reached – and listen, he's an amazing coach. He's one of the best ever. You look at his record, it's – it's what, what more can you say? What has the man not done? But the, he has reached this level of I can do anything. I mean, he summoned a bunch of college kids over his house, his kingdom – to then just say, you're no longer worthy of wearing stuff for the team that I coach. Then leave. Oh, I don't know. That, that just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Uh, and I guess we'll, we'll, we'll end here on a, on, a, on a new topic. And that's a war between two egomaniacs. Uh, one playing, one not playing, and that would be Charles Barkley and LeBron James. So uh, LeBron James, who is will probably go down as the greatest basketball player of all time. He probably will be looked at uh, in many circles better than Michael Jordan. But he's, I mentioned this briefly, and we talked about this, Jim, uh, last time briefly that he says that, you know, they need an extra player. They, the Cavaliers, they've, they've lost a few games. We're going into this home stretch here. The trade deadline's coming. We're, we're going into February. Then, the, well, not even the home stretch. Christ, this season's so long. February, then March, then half of April. Then it's the playoffs. But they need somebody else. So Kyle Korver was not enough. Uh, sharpshooter they got from Atlanta. They need somebody else. They need a point guard. I mean, he really wants Matthew Delvadova, but they need a point guard. It's not enough that they have, you know, Kyrie Irving and Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love, uh, you know, great role players in J.R. Smith. Well, great, but what LeBron wants, LeBron gets, right? And here's the thing. Charles Barkley doesn't like that. Neither do I. This, 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 this public, like, basically, you want your team to get an addition. You don't even go to your general manager or, or your 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 owner or president, whoever the god, one of the nameless, faceless suits, whoever they are. 
Maybe they have faces, too. I don't know. Maybe they have names. I, it's not really any of my business. But he didn't go to them privately and say, listen, we got to do this. He went to the media. The media to then bitch and moan about the people that pay for it. Okay? So I find that a bit much. And especially, you're the best goddamn player in the world. I get it's a team game. But you're publicly bitching and whining. So Charles Barkley, who has a history of publicly bitching and whining, but also a a history of saying things that are outlandish, outrageous, and sometimes extremely accurate. So when told, when, when, when he was given the forum to talk about LeBron James's bitching and moaning, well, he, he started doing a little bitching and moaning of himself about uh, the king. They, he's the best player in the world. Does he want all the good players? He don't want to compete. He is an amazing player. But this notion, they're the defending champs. And for him to be trying to hold anything over Dan Gibbons' head, and I love all these uh, young, these wild punk-ass reporters on television who's afraid to call LeBron. LeBron's a great player and a great guy. But this notion, he's got to have all the best players on his team. He's got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. He won't everybody. He don't want to compete. He want to be the favorite all the time. It just pisses me off that a guy that great don't want to compete. We just can't understand it. So it's like it's like the guy who says, well, you know, I got a Lamborghini. I got a Bentley and a Ferrari, but I need an everyday car, man, to get. We can't understand that perspective, man. I'm sorry. You have three of the biggest, best cars in the world. So, and you need an everyday Chevy to get you around uh, you all things around. We can't have sympathy for you. That second voice you heard, that was actually Kenny Smith of the TNT, uh, who works with Barkley and the TNT inside the NBA set, uh, talking about Mr. LeBron James. So, uh, that's uh, Charles Barkley always, uh, you know, always, always has a comment for something. And uh, LeBron James uh, responded back. It was pretty good, honestly. He says, I'm not going to let him disrespect my legacy like that. Now, first of all, I'll say that what I, what I don't think is good. The idea, I hate when people talk about their legacy. Okay, I mentioned this on Twitter today. You know, legacy is something that people, other people talk about after you're done playing. Okay, this idea that you talk about your own legacy, it reeks of arrogance and just... It just reeks of everything that's wrong about about, about athletes, about any, anyone who talks about their legacy. You know, I'll, I'll you know Barack Obama talked about his legacy as he was leaving, but I'll cut him slight slack. Whether you think he was a great president or, or not a great president, he was a goddamn president. He wasn't a basketball player. Okay, so let let other people talk about your legacy if you're playing sports. But uh, but I I digress. James told ESPN. I'm not the one who threw somebody through a window. I never spit on a kid. I never had unpaid debt in Las Vegas. I never said I'm not a role model. I never showed up to All-Star Weekend on Sunday because I was in Vegas all weekend partying. I've, uh, all I've done for my entire career is represent the NBA the right way. 14 years, never got in trouble, respected the game, print that. So, he's 100% right. Everything he said, those are things that Charles Barkley did. That's what made him such a colorful character. And LeBron James, for a guy that has been in the media... Ben, his face, posters of him everywhere, just splashed on every magazine, anything you could think of, since he was, God knows what age, what, 12? He's never fucked up once. What was the one thing when he was a kid in the Hummer? That, that was the most, like, anything close to legal. When it wasn't even legal, it was more of an NCAA issue, and it didn't matter because he didn't, he didn't go to college anyways. And then other, the other stuff, the worst things he did, I mean, the decision. The idea to have this this free agency sweepstakes and have it revealed on national television and a, and a must-see TV thing. That was like the worst thing LeBron James has ever done. 
Now, I'm not a fan of LeBron James. I think I, I agree with Barkley in a sense where his whining is, is, is on another level for an all-star, for an amazing... Imagine Michael Jordan lobbying like that. You know, it, having LeBron James, who just won the... By the way, just, just won the goddamn championship. Uh, the guy... Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA Finals last year. That would be like Derek Jeter complaining to George Steinbrenner being like, hey, you know, we keep winning, man. We need some more players here. We don't have enough all-stars. Come on, Georgie. I mean, that's ridiculous. Play the goddamn game. You have like the third or fourth best record in the NBA. Yeah, you know, we, we just need more. We need more. So uh, let's see. He then went on to say, I know he wanted to retire a long time ago, but he can't. He's stuck up on that stage every week. I guess um, I guess that's sort of alluding to gambling debt. Uh, he then issued a challenge of shorts, and if this makes and if this makes him want to talk to me, the schedule's out there. His schedule? Huh? Do we, I don't have a copy of LeBron's schedule. Uh, the schedule's out there. He knows. Oh, okay. He knows every road arena I'll be in. Don't just come up to me at All Star and shake my hand and smile. And LeBron did what he did after uh, the Cavaliers won last night. He sent out a cryptic tweet. That, uh, which he, you know, he sort of does to teammates, but this one was uh, lobbed at Barkley, something along the lines of, did I win? How did it go? Did he win? I'm not sure. I think we won. So, war of words, and Barkley is paid to do this. So, but it is hypocritical. You know, Barkley was no saint. Uh, Barkley, uh, Barkley was a guy who likes to uh, shit on this, this, this generation of NBA players. I was reading something today, uh, you know, about how they're... This idea that they're all hanging out all the time and they're best friends and they all want to play in the same team. And it's true. Uh, I'd also talked about how, excuse me, what the hell was that? Um, But I also saw a story about uh, how Michael Jordan played golf with him and gave him like a $20,000 bracelet or something. This was during the 1993 NBA Finals. In between, they played a game of golf and someone's like, Michael, why, why, why are you doing that? He goes... Are you kidding me? $20,000 is nothing to me. I can give that to him and make him feel like we're friends. We're not friends. Maybe that, You know what I should have done? See if that story was actually true. Because what did I do? I got it from some meme on, on Twitter, which I don't I always rally against those. They're the misinformation of memes. But I'm a complete hypocrite. So uh, yeah, I, perhaps Charles Barkley is. We haven't really confirmed that story. Anyways, that is the podcast. Remember, you can listen to this show on iTunes. You know what? God damn it. Leave a review. All right. Do you like this? You can help the show. Do you like this? You know, I do this for free. Every day, work my goddamn fingers to the bone. I do it for you. I do it for you. So you can leave a review on iTunes, TuneIn, Radio, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, and follow me on Twitter, at BrianBuck13, at RedTicketBlues. Tell your friends. Tell everyone. Tell everyone you know about it. Go up to people on the street randomly. Rip their earbuds out and say, hey, Red Ticket Blues. They'll say, get away from me. Uh, I'm calling the authorities. You're disgusting, perhaps. Uh, but just do it anyways. It'll mean a lot. So, uh, with all that being said, uh, I'm out of here.